Hello and welcome to another episode of the League One Lowdown. Once again, we have a lot to discuss in England's third tier from another action-packed weekend. As you know by now, I am your host, Matthias, and with me as always, we have Joe Citrone, who I actually don't think has missed an episode of the podcast yet. How are you, Joe? No, I'm, I'm, I'm consistent, mate, unlike some, <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't shirk my responsibilities, unlike, uh, unlike somebody who's not here today, but yeah. Yeah, well, the person who Jay says he's missing is Alex, uh, who's obviously unavailable today. But we do have a guest on, Jake Tom, who is at this current time an ecstatic Lincoln City fan. Jake, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Uh, secondly, how are you? Uh, I'm good, Alex. Thank you very much. Uh, I haven't seen you in a while, but um, no, it's good to be here. Good man, good man. Right, let's get this episode underway uh, and uh, talk about the games that uh, our teams are involved in. Uh, obviously, Lincoln were the winners out of the three sides. They uh, beat Southend 4-0 at Sintel Bank to maintain their 100% start to the season. Jason Shackle, Harry Toffolo, Tyler Walker and Bruno Andrade got the goals for Danny Cowley's team as they sit top of the tree in League One. Jake, um, you were at the game. What was the performance like um, from the Imps on Saturday? Was it the best one of the season or... Um, were, were Southend unlucky to lose 4-0? Um, I think Southend played really well in the first half an hour. They um, they more than matched us, but it was you know the extra quality that we've got with Shackle and and players like Jack Payne. They, they stopped for the first half an hour. They completely stopped Payne getting on the ball and running the game like he like he normally does for us. Um, but then obviously once we got the first goal, they sort of had to come out a little bit more at us and they sort of really struggled, um, and especially towards the second half when Walker got his legs running and, and won the penalty. Uh, and then obviously Andrade uh, getting his first goal of the season, which which um, which he did really well for. So Southend weren't that bad, but I would be I would I wouldn't be too concerned if I was a Southend fan. But they're going to have to pick up results rather quickly. Yeah, we'll go on to, to, to Southend. Um, obviously later on on the podcast but obviously last week we had a lot of um, Lincoln fans um, looking at the, 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 the quote that Broom said about he doesn't see this Lincoln train stopping you obviously were probably one of the people that saw this what do you make of, of Alex's quotes and what do you make of what the season could be for Lincoln do you think expectations have rose massively uh, in uh, these three uh, games or do you think that they're still um, very much feet, our feet are on the ground uh, as as people say, you know, uh, Colin Murphy on the uh, Quest highlights, he says Danny Cowley is probably the worst person to help manage expectation, and I completely agree with him. Uh, before the start of the season, I think a lot of us would have have, have taken staying in the division, but this these really, really? absolutely absolutely um, included. But you know, obviously we've had a great start, which sort of coupled with the Huddersfield game, knocking Huddersfield out of the, um, the Carabao Cup. Sort of a lot of our supporters are now expecting us to be winning the games against Accrington and and Southend. So um, uh, as for as for what Broom said, uh, I think we might probably, I think we're definitely going to hit a dip some at some point of the season. But uh, on a, uh, we're just enjoying the ride at the minute, and uh, hopefully we can carry that on on Tuesday. Yeah, well, no goals conceded as well for Lincoln in their first three. Uh, league games, which is a pretty good feat as well, given their 100% record. Let's turn to Oxford now. Um, they were beaten by Blackpool, 2-1 at Bloomfield Road, who, like Lincoln, maintained their 100% uh, start to the season. Joe, uh, off-air, you said to me that Oxford were very, very unlucky. On another day, do you think they walk away with Bloomfield Road with not just one point, but three points? I mean, you've got to look at the stats and say 70% possession and 20 shots, uh, 13 from inside the box and think, you know, how on earth do we come away with not even a point? Um, uh, 
you know, for, for people who were at the game, they, they seem quite optimistic and quite encouraged despite the defeat. And I think that's quite a, a weird um, mixture of emotions. Obviously frustrated we couldn't get the result, but still encouraged that we managed to, again, dominate against a team that's quite highly fancy. got a good manager at the helm, Simon Grayson, and made obviously a 100% start to the season. And we managed to dominate basically the entirety of the second half from what from what I gather. Um but yeah, I mean, I think what really cost us is giving away a really silly goal from a set piece inside the first five minutes. That was something that we noticed a bit of a pattern of um, in pre-season, giving away fairly cheap goals from corners and uh, free kicks into the box. And unfortunately, you know, obviously in the first um, two league games, we didn't concede any goals from there. But it's crept back in in the Blackpool game, really cheap goal to give away. And then obviously a, an absolutely woeful refereeing decision, decision. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, it's literally one of the worst penalty decisions I've seen in a long time. You know, first of all, it's not a foul. And second of all, it's not even in the box. Like, it's just an absolutely car crash of a decision. And then that's on the that's on the brink of half time. You know, that obviously make it to go to two nil to Blackpool. It's a bit of a mountain to climb, a bit of a psychological blow. And um, you know, it's it we just couldn't quite come back and we couldn't quite find uh, the equalising goal in the second half, unfortunately. You you made a very good point there about the standard of reference. So I'm just gonna ask this question. Um, I'm gonna go to Jake first. Jake, do you think the standard of refereeing okay, this is Lincoln's first season? in League One for, for a long, long time. Do you think the standard of refereeing from what you've seen are various highlights of other games or with Lincoln? Do you think the officiating is OK? Or do you think it's 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 bad? Or do you think it's getting considerably worse? What do you think? Um, I think it's definitely a, a step up from the officiating that we saw like a, a lot of, uh, of last year in League Two. Um, but at the end of the day, the players are professional athletes and the referees, whether you like it or not, they have to be professional. Um, obviously, they are semi-professional in in League One and League Two, and they don't make the professional step up until the champ uh, until the championship. But uh, as far as what I've seen, the referees, I would say that Lincoln have had two penalties in the first uh, three league games. Uh, so, you know, I, I've not noticed anything too too bad with the officials. But obviously, the penalty um, for Blackpool on Nandulia was a little bit soft, but uh, to say the least. But honestly, I've I've seen no issues at the games that I've seen. But I can understand why Joe would feel so aggrieved. Well, the, the the feeling I have is, you know, I, in particular with the Rovers game on Saturday, obviously I'll get more in detail in a minute, but there was a big decision that wasn't given our way. We were 1-0 down. We had a corner that was um, delivered in by Ollie Clark. And the referee, um, I think, pulled Clark Harris for some shirt pulling. And I've seen uh, the decision twice. And then Tom Davis puts the ball in the net. I've seen that twice. And I'm still not sure why he's given it. Now, I know I just said it's shirt pulling, but... There is no such thing in the box. The ref has got a great view. Clark Harris has stood right under his nose. And he, for me, um, almost blows his whistle, um, just assuming that there's going to be a lot more shirt pulling and he's going to pull the defender to the ground. So this is why I think that there's a real common problem in this um, division, is that they're almost just assuming that something's going to happen. Um, I do think that over the course of the year, I think Joe can agree with me because obviously this has been the, the fourth season that both these sides are going to have now Rose and Oxford but it is getting considerably worse I mean Oxford mm. the, the the Sunderland decision was awful I think Ruffles I think made the foul wasn't it it's the general performance though it's the general performance they're very inconsistent in the Sunderland game like the soft free kicks that are being given Sunderland's way like, I know it just sounds like I'm moaning on being a bitter yeah. but honestly on, on Saturday there was literally three or four minutes into the second half. Blackpool, like literally, I think it was Brannigan, just like, they're running into the box. Um, Blackpool, Brannigan literally shoves him over in the box. It's a clear penalty to Blackpool, and it's not given. Like yeah, it's just, yeah. 
it's not just like I'm not saying everyone's against Oxford. It's just a general just bad decisions that I'm seeing week in week out. And honestly, like people know me, I, I will not. Um, I'm not one to just be constantly referees every week. You know the sort of people yeah. who are just constantly referees every week. You know, if we don't win as referees, referee. But honestly, the first three games, two of the referee performances have been absolutely abysmal. And it's the constant. It's the it's the same people. Like they, I I, I just laugh when I see Premier League fans um, moan about the refereeing um, sound of refereeing the Premier League when we have to put up with people like Darren Drysdale and Trevor Kessler. Like, it's the same. It's just, it's just it's years. It's the same It's the same referees, just constantly. Every time you get Trevor Kessler or Darren Drysdale, you know you're in for just a shocking afternoon refereeing. And, like, it's just something has to be has to be done. We need to encourage more. I think we should be encouraging ex-pros to get into refereeing instead of just, you know, going... Like, you see just, like, lower league players go off and just become accountants or something. Just get them, like, well, train them up to be referees. Like, surely they know the game well, better than anyone to... Yeah, go on. Yeah, you, you, make, you make a fair point, but I think what Jake said earlier is the fact they're semi-professional. Now, they're not as fit um, as, as referees in the Premier League or the Championship, so I think that that needs to be done first in order for them um, to get a better understanding of the, in the game and, 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 and that side of things. The fitness aspect isn't a problem because you don't very rarely see referees nowadays pull up with injuries. It's very, very small occurrence that that happens. But the main thing that you said, Joe, for me, it's just inconsistency. There'll be a 50-50 mm-hmm. where both players are pulling each other's shirt, whether it's in the box or whether it's 30 yards out. And the referee will give a decision where really it should just carry on with the play. That's the thing that's really troubling me is that they make these yeah. inconsistent calls that's what i think the problem is here did you did you watch the sunderland game at the weekend like there was just like in the set in the, in the first half there was like three or four times where um either port or the sunderland could have played advantage and the referee's pulling it back like it's just the standard of referee honestly i it's just it's just there yeah, i won't i won't rant on too long about the standard refereeing but it is like for me yeah. it is getting worse and that isn't that is an issue like a genuine issue that i feel we're actually going backwards in terms of the standard rather than going forwards um, and I still wouldn't have VAR, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't get on to the VAR debate because uh, we need we need to move on from the refereeing debate, but it is going to cause uh, a lot of uh, chat over the course of the season, that's for sure. Um, Bristol Rovers, of course, at the weekend, uh, headed for uh, uh, headed to St Andrews to Coventry. Uh, they were beaten 2-0 um, by uh, Mark Robbins' team, Giovanni Castaner and Jordan Shipley got the two goals. The Rovers were well off the pace and well beaten uh, at St Andrews, it was a performance again, very much echoing what's been set uh, done over the last two league games. No creativity, no real threat, no real attacking um, intent. Okay, you are away from home against a, a very um, decent top half team in Coventry. Let's not deny that. I do think, based on that, um, they have significantly got a little bit worse than what they were last year. But it was the fact we were so poor that they had such an easy ride um, in the game. I just think we've got a very solid defence and our attack on paper is very, very good. I just think the midfield is absolutely nothing there. Um, we've got a very... It's very defensive. Um, we have no real plan B. Whenever we, we go behind, we stick to the same system. You know, I'd rather sort of, if we're a goal down and we're not really threatening, go 4-4-2 or play a really attack-minded system. If we lose 3 or 4-0... I don't mind because we've intended to have a go. I just think the problem is at the moment we're happy just to lose by one or two goals um, mm. for the sake of goal difference when it really doesn't matter. And we had the problem last year of scoring goals and it's happening again. And people can go, well, we haven't got Clark Harris fully fit, but we've had no creativity in three games. 
And that's a serious concern. And the manager mm. has had two and a half months to go and buy players and he hasn't been able to find creative players. It's, it's a serious concern for me at this current time. Mm. I saw, I saw your um, tweet at the weekend. I was saying, you know, you think Cochrane's out of his depth. Do you think, despite the fact it's only three games in, do you think... I mean, are you you know considering a change in in the manage in sort of in the managed position there? Well, okay, it's three games in, so maybe it's a bit ra- like brash what I said, but I think I don't think it's going to change over the course of the next month or two. I think you know we we, we might pick up an odd win or two here and there, but I just think we're we're gonna we're, we haven't gone forward at the moment. That's what it seems. Um, you know, he he seems to be stuck in a loop where he can't get away from what we played last year. We had to play that way to stay up. I totally understand that. But we were promised attacking expansive football. At the moment, it's not there. I don't see it personally like it's going to change. Um, so for me, I would, I, if we made the change today, I wouldn't at all be, you know, angry. I think it would be the right decision because I don't think it's going to change over the season. I think if we do have Coughlin in charge, we, yeah. we are going to go down. It's as simple as that. How are the new signings? How are the new signings settling? Are they, are they, are they, is the recruitment over the summer looking good or like how is that looking in the early well, stages? You have, to, you have to question the recruitment to some degree. I don't think the manager's to blame as such, but you know, we signed, okay, we signed two goalkeepers, we've signed two right backs, we signed a centre back and a left back. Okay, they were um, needed given that we did lose players, but we, we have been crying out for a number 10 through the middle for at least a year, 18 months. Haven't been able to find one. We've been looking for wingers. Okay, number 10 is a very, very hard thing to find. I mean, Jack Payne, you know, they, they, they very rarely come often, you know, two or three players do that. That's only one person. But with wingers, there's a much more of a bigger scouting pool. And I just don't know how we can't go and find these players. That's, that's what's really, really concerning me. Like, look at Sully Kaikai for Blackpool. We started this season like a house on fire. How mm. aren't we going for these sort of players? I just think that there's some serious faults in our recruitment. I do like what he's done at the moment with the sign-ins personally but it's just the big positions that we're crying out for are really um making the team look worse than, than what they are so that's what i think in truth fair enough, fair enough um we'll move away from from rovers now let's talk about uh south end because obviously they were um four nil losers at um lincoln and uh, they are the only side in the division besides um, well, they're the only side actually besides Barry who haven't played yet to not pick up a single point. They've lost every game uh, in the league so far. Um, Jake, you obviously spoke about Southend saying that they actually did play OK and withstood a very good Lincoln side for half hour or so. What do you make of them so far this season? And do you think that maybe like what Rovers fans are with Coglan about trying to get him the sack? Do you think maybe they're starting to think about uh, Kevin Bond getting the trigger pulled on him? What do you think? Um I think you have to look at the opening three games at South End of of play. They've played Coventry, Blackpool, and then Lincoln, who are three teams that are obviously all tipped to do rather well this season. So I think I think they're I think they're they're going to be uh, the manager's going to be looked at more in the games where they're sort of playing teams at a sort of a similar level to them. Sort of like they've got Rochdale in a couple of weeks, which is which will be a massive game for them. You know, two teams that you'd associate with being towards the bottom end of the table. But um, there was one player, Isaac Hutchinson, really impressed me on um, on Saturday. He was really direct, uh, quick. He, he liked getting at, at Neil early, caused him a lot of trouble. But uh, obviously, you have you sort of have to to think if they're going to keep losing the way they are, then 
it's going to have to be a change. I'm all, I'm all for managers keeping their jobs and things like that, but I think they're going to have to have a change sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I, I think you make a very, very good point. It does seem with me with Southend, obviously, you know, look, last year they did stay up in the final few minutes through Stephen Humphreys against Sunderland and and that's what kept them up. And, you know, they, they made the change probably at the best possible time. If they left it any later, I do think they would have got relegated. Do you think that, given the, the low expectations, Joe, of, of Southend, do you think that that's maybe why they won't be in a rush to sack him? It's not like, you know, let's say Portsmouth or Sunderland started this way, is it? You know, their team's supposed to be the big hitters of the division. A lot of people don't expect them to do well. Do you think that that's maybe why the board will think it's Southend will give him a little bit more time just to, to be better than what he is? What do you think? Do you agree oh, with that or...? Well, you've got, you've got to beg the question why nobody expects them to do well, really, haven't you? Like, and, uh, you know, Southend aren't a, a, t- you know, a tiny club. I think, you know, coming into the season, I think a lot of people had doubts about Kevin Bond. You know, I think his style of sort of management last season suited the situation Southend were in, a bit, maybe a bit of a disciplinarian, someone who's just going to raise the spirits and get them going for the final few games. And that worked in the end. They stayed in the division. But I think a lot of Southend fans, even though Kevin Bond kept them up, I think at the back end of last season, they were sort of saying, well, you know, maybe we should just shake his hand and say, thanks for doing the job, thanks for keeping us up, but let's go for a slightly fresher, um, more modern manager. And um, it's looking like that probably would have been a better decision because the the recruitment, I thought, over the summer, just looking at the signing Southend were making, it just it didn't feel right. It just felt, you know, scraping the barrel sort of stuff um, to be totally brutal. Yeah. Um People like Andre Blackman on short-term contracts, and you know, I just I, they're still relying on Simon Cox for goals. Um, you know, he's and still it, probably one of their crucial players, and you know, you've got to at some point start building around him, giving him the support that he needs. Um, and I'm just not seeing any progression with Southend at all. And um, Kevin Bond, tactically, I think he's he's probably not within within the sort of modern times really. And I, I saw, like, I think it was last week, um, they signed Liam Ridgewell. Um, and without having trained with the, with the first team much and having not played for ages, they just chucked him straight into a back three, and he had an absolute nightmare. So you just think the naivety of maybe some of his decisions is coming back to bite them. The signings haven't looked on paper particularly great or on the pitch, so it's looking pretty bleak for Southend, and it would not surprise me at all if, you know, say they don't get a result in the next sort of two or three games, you know, we see a change at the top already, even though we're still very early on, early on in the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this. I mean, the big thing for Southend for me is where are their goals going to come from? You, you, you look at their team and you think Simon Cox maybe four or five years ago would have got you 20 goals. I, I completely agree with you, Joe. They do rely on him a lot. He's lost a lot of pace. I mean, he's what now? 32 years of age? He's going to be 33 next year. You can't rely on a 32, 33-year-old to get you a vast amount of goals. That's what I do mm. um, honestly think. And I, and I really... In a, if I was a South End fan, I'd be seriously concerned. I think um, Humphreys is all right, isn't it? Situation. Stephen, Stephen Humphreys thinks a decent player. Maybe they need to get more out of him and maybe yeah. start playing to his strengths a little bit more. I think he's physical and sort of suits the league and knows where the back mm. of the net is. But I just, you just, you just look at this going through the team and you're just thinking there's just a distinct lack of real proven quality. Um, and the signings, I just didn't feel they, I just, I just didn't feel they really strengthened on what they had last season. And that, considering they only stayed up by what was it a point. On the last yeah, day, some, yeah, not, like really, that, not really strengthened, not, not feel like you've made sort of any forward steps from that. It's just not looking great at all. And um, I, I, I fear for them unless things can change very quickly. Whether Kevin Bond can turn it around or whether it's somebody else, I don't know. But it's it, things have got to change. Last thing on South End, Jake, do you, 
Joe talked about the, the recruitment side of things. What, what, when you saw their recruitment, were you thinking it was a bit uninspiring? Do you think they maybe needed to, to add something extra? What, what do you make of the whole recruitment that they had over the summer? Because they're, they're a club that don't get very often talked about on this podcast. Yeah, obviously they've not they've not recruited incredibly well for the um, for the level. I think a lot of their signings have sort of been have definitely been sort of would be all right signings, but just in League Two rather than League One. I think the thing with Southend is they have a lot of uh, a youth uh, uh, academy products that are sort of playing uh, coming into the first team, uh, like Kelman up front. I thought he was uh, he wasn't too bad on uh, on Saturday. And I was listening to Kevin Bond uh, on the. Um, on BBC Radio Lincolnshire before the game, and he said that they're really trying to blood these new these youngsters in, and they're getting quite a lot of attention from higher up the divisions. Mm-hmm. But they definitely they sort of needed a bit more quality in terms of proven quality in League One, rather than just hoping that their kids, because you know, as Alan Hansen famously said, you never really win anything with kids. So they're definitely going to looking at January. They're going to have to bring some experience in, and maybe another. Uh, obviously, a new manager might be able to be able to do that. Yeah, that's a, a very very good point. Let's look towards um, Sunderland now. Um, they produced a really good performance to beat Portsmouth two uh, one on Saturday at the stadium. Like really overdue that they had a big win against a bigger team. They do love a draw. Um, I saw a statistic during the week last week that they've had something about just under uh, it's either just over twenty or just under twenty one one draw since Jack Ross took charge, Joe. Um, there was a lot of fan attention from Sunderland supporters when you obviously said about, I don't know why they've stuck with Jack Ross. How big a result is that for him um, in, in the long term of his future at the club? Well, it's massive because if you know, I can't imagine what the reaction would have been if they'd lost that game because um, the pressure was already mounting. Um, you know, you, you saw that obviously um, a few weeks ago. I was talking about Sunderland, and a lot of Sunderland fans were were in agreement that you know they they're not um, that you know they're less than optimistic about sort of their prospects with Jack Ross in charge. But yeah, I mean, it was a decent performance. Obviously, you know, when you go one 0 down, when the pressure is on at home, which you know at the Stadium of Light, we know that can be a difficult place to play in terms of fans turning on you quickly to come back against a, you know a, a promotion chasing highly fancy Portsmouth side and win 2-1 that shows that there's still something there there's still maybe some um, something to cling on to in terms of uh, positivity for the season um, but yeah I mean Portsmouth I wasn't at all, at all impressed by them to be honest you know I, I was expecting a lot more I was expecting them to beat Sunderland to be honest or or you know 1-1 draw maybe more likely with Sunderland's record of 1-1 draws but yeah I thought I thought they'd play a lot better and give Sunderland a lot better game but you know when they when they got in front the way they relinquished that lead I thought that was very disappointing from a Portsmouth perspective and they've lost two out of the first three games so maybe maybe you know you start to worry there I don't know if you're a Portsmouth fan it's still early days but that's not that's less than ideal um but as for Sunderland yeah that's a massive result and they've got to build on it now they've really got to build on it because you know you do you don't want them to see to see them put in another Poor performance, another drab one-one draw on Saturday. They've got to go and build on this result now. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I think with with Sunderland, it's amazing what a win can do, isn't it? I mean, they had two very below-par draws against Ipswich and, and Oxford, and you know they they did need to just to win a game. I think, and um, obviously I didn't watch the game, so I can't really grasp what what it was like. Whether Sunderland deserved it or, or whether it really wasn't a, a, a great affair, but just just. Just on the outside, I think it's going to do the fans wonders as well because it's going to make them think that we are still a, a big, a big team. You know, we're not we're not completely written off as such. Um, 
we've got a lot about us um, still in, in that respect. Jake, Sunderland, obviously, as we know, they're under so much pressure to, 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 to go up. Do you think that this result is going to... Th- these players now are going to start to maybe find their feet now a little bit more because they've beaten a fellow big rival t- to try and get to the championship? Do you think it will make them go up a level? Do you think maybe that um, it might not get better for a while? Then obviously, you just got to look at the starting eleven that they fielded on on Saturday. You know, Aidan McGeevy's playing the Premier League, McNulty, uh, Lyle and Gooch, players like that of that caliber really should be uh, looking uh, at the top end of the division. I think, I think as again, I refer to the uh, EFL highlights uh, on Quest, but Colin Murray was emphasising that Sunderland sort of have to go up this year, or else they're going to. Slid, uh, slide into sort of like mid mid table mediocrity maybe, um, but uh, I, was, I I think it's a good it's a very good result against Portsmouth a very good Portsmouth side who are struggling at the minute, um, but I think Sunderland need to back this up now they've got uh, Rochdale and AFC Wimbledon this week uh, two games that they should definitely look to be winning and if they can win those if they can put three wins uh, on the spin then I think they definitely uh, get a lot more confidence uh, for the rest of the season. Let's look at a point, Portsmouth point of view. Um, obviously, two defeats from their first three. Shrewsbury, they lost on the opening day too, and obviously Sunderland uh, the weekend just gone. It does seem to me with Kenny Jackett that when they play the bigger teams, he does really change his tactics. I think in the playoffs, you saw it last year where they played Sunderland, where over the course of 180 minutes, they were far too defensive. I think he'd admit that they got it wrong um, on paper. I do think they've probably got the best, they've got the best squad in the league. Um, and it does seem when they, when, when they play at home, Obviously, there's nothing like home comforts, is there? You've got your fans there, you know the place, you, you can almost turn it on a little bit more. It does seem when they go away to a, a bigger side, um, they, they seem to change their tactics. They seem to try and um, adapt to, to the situation in a rather sort of too big a way. Um, do, do, do you see what I'm trying to say, um, Jake, with, with what I'm saying? that Maybe when they play the bigger teams, they should probably stick to what they're successful at rather than try and change tr- drastically... Um, over the course of uh, over the course of that ninety minutes, I th- I think that for a manager, any modern manager to succeed uh, in today's game has to be pragmatic. So I think what Kenny Jacket is trying to do, I think he's definitely trying to do the right thing by changing his approach. Obviously, you can't change it uh, every other game because then the players are, are going to become less familiar to to what exactly he's asking. But I certainly think that that a uh, you know they've got they've got the players to challenge the top of the league. Whatever style of play they decide, they decide they're going to go with. Because you know, Mark, Mark, I thought Harness looked good on Saturday. And then with John Marquis on the side, they're always going to they're always going to be looking to score goals. So I mean, I wouldn't be worried if I was a Portsmouth fan, but they definitely need to stick to one way of playing rather than than chip, uh, than chop and changing every couple of weeks. Joe, I mean, obviously. At home, we know that Portsmouth are going to be so, so strong. Do you think, obviously, they've okay, it's only like two away games out of 23. Um, but do you think that maybe if they lost, do you think that their away form could be a big issue for them in how well they are going to do this season? Um, possibly. I think that, that, that'll be a question to ask maybe in the sort of in the next few weeks, maybe 10, 15 games into the season when the, the league starts to shape up. This This could all be you know, a, a, a pointless station really at the end because if, if Portsmouth go and win the next four or five games, it's, you know, they're, they're, it's not without, it's not outside the realm of possibility they could do. Then we'll all be wondering, you know, we could have, at the end of the season all we'll be wondering what we were worrying about at the start of the season. You know, maybe it's just a, a bit of a slow start. They do happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've just got to make sure they don't let this 
go on and, and you know not let it go from a, a bit of a blip to a slump at the start of the season. And that's what they need to make sure they do. They've got some good players. You look at their starting eleven again, Ronan Curtis, Marcus Harness, John Marquis as an attacking force. That is up there with the strongest in the league. Ellis Harrison to bring off the bench. Uh, Brett Pittman, you know, not even getting on the pitch on Saturday. That, you know, that is a strong squad if ever I saw one. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the results need to pick up. Simple as that. Um, but I, I, I'm not fearing for them yet. Um, I think, you know, slow start. You know, they dominated the first day of the season at Shrewsbury. Couldn't find a way to score. Bit of a smash and grab uh, win from Shrewsbury's perspective. Um Obviously, won the second game. They've been beaten by a Sunderland side, you know, a decent-looking Sunderland side uh, in terms of the squad on paper at the Stadium of Light. There's no reason to panic yet, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, a double-header game tomorrow, game on Saturday. That's where they need to start be picking up some points and uh, getting themselves up the league, or the pressure could be on Kenny Jacket early on. Yeah, now, uh, we'll move away from Portsmouth. Uh, we'll do predictions now. We've got the... Well, we've gone through the three games that we think are going to be the most eye-catching uh, from match day three, of course, which is tomorrow night. Um, let's start off with Fleetwood versus Wickham. Wickham, of course, have started the season with seven points from a possible nine. It's got a last-minute winner in the uh, game against MK Dons on Saturday and a thriller, it sounded, at uh, Adams Park. I'll go with this one. Obviously, Fleetwood um, played Doncaster at the weekend and obviously they lost. So, it's going to be interesting. Look, when... Any side who plays against Wickham, they know it's going to be a very, very tough game. They're very physical, but they can also play football. So they're a very good all-round side. I do think that with Wickham, suddenly this whole wave of investment that's, well, let's say not, you know, they're on a big ride, aren't they? Because of this new investment that's come in and these new players that have arrived have really hit the ground running. Um, and, and their fans are really optimistic about um, sort of going forward. I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. I do think that they're going to get a result away at um, Highbury Stadium against a very good Fleetwood side, let's say. Uh, who wants to kick things off here with a prediction and, and, and why it will go the way it is? I just, want, I just want to talk about Wickham, seeing as Brum's not here and I can say what I want. Um, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, 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 they're yet to be properly tested, I feel. And this is going to be the first real test of the season. You look at their fixtures so far, they have been slightly favourable, in my opinion. Do you not, um, do you not, think, do you not, do you not think they were tested against MK? Well, they're, a bit of an un- they're a bit of an unknown quantity, though. Like MK Dons, they're a newly promoted side. They're, they've had a, a few new players. I just, I just think, yeah, it's a good, it's a good result, solid result. But you know, they've, they've like the other two games, they've beaten Bolton's youth team and drawn against a team that you know we've mentioned in this podcast is, is has not been particularly impressive so far this season. Bristol Rovers, like it's, it's not exactly been a, you know, it's been a decent return, seven points from nine games. Can't really complain with that. But you know, they're, they're yet to be properly tested. And I feel. Let's see how they get on against it. You know, I think Fleetwood will be up there. I think they'll have a good season. Let's see how they get on against um, Wickham. Get on against Fleetwood, and then and maybe you know Sutton Portsmouth, those sort of clubs, clubs that I think will be in the top half of the table. And let's see where they are after they've played those games. If they come through those games, then fair enough. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll sit up and take some notice. But I'm still not sure about Wickham at the moment. Um, and yeah, I think I actually think they will lose tomorrow night. Um, personally, I think it'll be a what did you go ask? What, what was your prediction? Uh, I said I said one all. One all. I'll go. I'll go two nil Fleetwood. Okay. Um, and Jake, the, we obviously spoke about Wickham there, how they've not been tested and and what have you. But obviously, that they're, they're going to go to Fleetwood away tomorrow. How important would it be if they could they could get a result here? How much would it do confidence against the side who a lot of people predict will do well? And then obviously as well, give your um, score as well. 
Um, obviously, as Joe pointed out, they're they're, they're not really they've not really been tested massively this season. Um, obviously, Fleetwood is Fleetwood is going to be a massive game uh, for them, especially if Wickham. You know, this new investment they're sort of trying to push back up the table. But uh, Fleetwood are a really strong side. I thought they were really unfortunate to lose on um, on Saturday. I don't know if you saw, but the the own goal in the last couple of minutes it was really it was really unfortunate. I don't I don't think he quite meant it, but um, mm. you know, I think I think Wickham. We'll go there. I think I think they're they're a really good side. You know, they've got Fred Onya Dimmers in bang up in a really good form at the minute. So I've gone similar to Wilesy. I think I've I've gone with a two-two draw because both teams like to score goals. And I think I think you know I think Wickham could go there and get a point. We'll move on now to uh, Portsmouth and Coventry. Coventry have had a good season. Well, they've uh, had seven points like Wickham, uh, yet to concede a goal. Um, as we said earlier, I, as I think Portsmouth's home form is going to be strong. Um, I'll, I'll let Jake start with this one. Jake, how do you see this game going? Because every time you play Coventry, it's never going to be an easy test, is it? But they always seem to me like you just never know which one's going to turn up, do you? No. Um, two teams that are really tipped to do really well this season have both made a lot of good additions. I specifically like the... Uh, the Matty Godden business at Coventry have got done since they missed out on um, Tyler Walker. But um, I think Portsmouth, you know, when they're, when they're at Fratton Park, they're really difficult to beat. And, and you know, I'm not saying that, that Coventry and Tranmere are, are, are equal, but I think that the way that they played against uh, Tranmere sort of shows you how their home form is going to be really key to them this season. Mm. Uh, I've gone for a, a Portsmouth 2-1 win because uh, I, I think they're just going to be too strong at home. Joe, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think I also agree. Actually, I think Portsmouth at home. I think they're going to they need to get a result on the board after two defeats in their first three. Um, Coventry are not a bad side. Um, I think they'll finish probably mid to top half of the table. But I do think with the pressure being on Portsmouth a little bit to get a result, I do think they'll come through in this game. And I think they'll probably win. I think they'll win quite convincingly. Actually, I think they'll win three one. I'm going to go with a win for Portsmouth, and I'm going to go with a two one. Let's talk about Southend and Peterborough. Obviously, Southend, we know, are in a bit of, you know, they've got another tough test uh, against Peterborough. It does seem with me with Peterborough, though, that they are going to give someone a real um, battering uh, this season. You just kind of hope it isn't Southend, given they had one on Saturday. They played Ipswich, got a decent draw, um, which has to, to be said. You know, they are a, a good side, Ipswich, who we do predict that are going to be probably within the top six this season. Um Joe, I'll let you start with this one. Do you agree with what I'm saying that Peterborough are due for a battering of a team? Or do you think that maybe Southend will actually um, produce a, a real good performance, given the odds are going to be so low on them to get something? Well, Peterborough were disappointing in the, in, in the two games, actually, that I saw in League and Cup um, against Oxford. We beat them 1-0 on both occasions. And I, I really didn't see much from them. They looked a bit disjointed. They looked like uh, a group of individuals thrown together. But by all accounts, they did improve their performance at the weekend against Ipswich, they got a two-two draw, and you know I think there was a last-minute equaliser for Ipswich. And you know from what I hear, you know Ips, um, Ipswich were quite lucky to come away with a point, and Peterborough probably deserved to win. And they were much improved from their first few games. Um, so yeah, I do actually think Peterborough will um, put on a performance against uh, Southend. I think Southend they're playing Peterborough at the wrong time. I think Peterborough are just starting to come into their groove maybe a little bit as a team. Obviously, they made a lot of new signings. I think they're starting to gel now and I do expect them to win again fairly comfortably. Um, I'm going to go for 3-0 to Peterborough. I'm going to go with the same scoreline. Jake, um, are you going to go with a, a comfortable Peterborough win? 
Uh, yeah, I think also just to add to what you guys have said, uh, Maurice bagging his first of the season on um, on Saturday is going to cause him a lot of a lot of confidence, and everyone knows how important that first goal is uh, for a centre forward when he's just joined a new club. Quite a hefty um, tag, like he has done. Uh, I've gone for a Peterborough four-one because I, I still think I think I, I think Peterborough look look fragile at the back. You know, they they conceded twice on Saturday. Obviously, they didn't beat Oxford uh, over two games and. You know, there's a lot of new players in that back line, especially they just added uh, Thompson from uh, Portsmouth. Portsmouth. That's, that's unbelievable signing, by the way. That's unbelievable yeah. signing. I, th- yeah, I think the, the problem with Peterborough is they've got they have too many players to gel in, and I think they're going to concede. So I've gone for one. All right. Well, that brings the podcast to an end for this episode. Uh, thanks once again to Joe, as always, for uh, his uh, good opinion and uh, debate. Thank you very much for that, Joe. Yeah, that's right. Um, I will say thanks to Jake as well. I think Bruin might be getting his P45 in the post after that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to come on to Jake. Uh, very good uh, first appearance. I don't think it's going to be the last appearance you make this season. Uh, thanks for coming on, Jake. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much for having me. Um, we might not be here in the third tier too long if the results keep going the way they are, but I'll be here for the season, definitely. But it was our pleasure to uh, have you on. Of course, the podcast will be out later on Spotify. Uh, give our Twitter page uh, at the L1 Lowdown follow from England's third tier. Uh, we'll be back for another podcast this week on Wednesday. We will be set uh, Tuesday's games. Obviously, we'll be talking positive follow-ups and that. Um, we will see you soon. And bye for now.